Welcome to Warren Radio, with your hosts, the Watchman Dana Smith and Tower. Thanks for listening. Sorry for the trouble. You're listening to Warren Radio on the Watchman Alert Radio Network. I want to welcome you to tonight's show. I'm the Watchman, sitting in for a tower while we get some technical difficulties taken care of. By the way, we do have... uh, Pentecost coming up. Hard to believe. At any rate, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter by hashtag WatchmanIS216. You can find us on Instagram and also Twitter by hashtag WarrenRadio and also by hashtag WGS underscore Watchman. And uh, you can find us on LinkedIn, USA.life, and MeWe by hashtag Warren Radio. Uh, LinkedIn by hashtag Watchman, rather. Okay, Tower. Can you hear me now? I can. I wonder what happened. Well, anyway, we're glad to be here. And um, I want to admonish you to take time to read the pertinent articles by the Watchman. He has a new one out today, and it's Foundation of God Stands Sure. Stands True. Our future includes being redeemed, resurrected, and reigning. To be sure, the Lord knows those who are his, his own. Yet today, for those on this planet, much turmoil and tribulation occurs. More is coming. Be sure of it. For that is at stake in the souls of men. There is the foundation of God with its truth. God cannot lie and his word stands. For believers, there is a seal to which has brought us into the beloved. Also the Lord's lighthouse keeper. A city on a hill cannot be hid, nor can a lighthouse that is brightly shining on a high outcrop of the rocky cliffs. Overlooking the seas of life, keep the lighthouse maintained so that the light will shine out for all those passing by in the stormy seas of life or in the dark of night. And today is May 14th, it's Thursday, 2020. And the scripture reading this week is Leviticus chapter 25, starting at verse 1 through chapter 27, verse 34. Jeremiah chapter 32, verses 6 through 27, also Jeremiah chapter 16, starting at verse 19, through chapter 17, verse 14. And the New Testament portion is Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21, and 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. Oh, I forgot to add to read those articles, you can go to warren-usa.com or danaglinsmith.com. And tonight on the show, it's part 46, 
of Isaiah's Apocalypse Judgment. When we continue with chapter 24, as we look at the intense events which are occurring, an all-encompassing judgment, which in fact also gives us a look into a future events. This week, we will also look at Mark 13 in comparison to this chapter from Isaiah. And now I welcome in the Watchmen. You are listening to Warren Radio on the WIBR Warren Radio Network. Don't forget to visit our websites at warren-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com. And also follow us on Twitter, find us on Instagram, and join us on LinkedIn. Dana, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Doing good. Well, you know, it is Thursday. We're glad we're here on Thursday. Yes, we are. They're opening things up around here. The big deal, I guess the movie theaters are opening up tomorrow. They won't have any limit on the amount of numbers you can cram into them as long as they follow other guidelines. However, the churches, last time I understood, it was limited to 25. So I'm not really sure where we're at in all that in this neck of the woods. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, at any rate, I was thinking that we're on part 156. I was thinking if if we if we continue at the rate we're going, and then I looked down and I saw I'm on page 309 of 389 pages. So I only have 89 more pages to go. But that is not necessarily true because if you add more pages, that's true. So this thing contains 117,184 words. A bit of trivia. <laughs> I oh mean, if, if if you add, you know, for all the time we've done this for over two decades and take all the words I've written and all the scripts we've put together and, and everything and all the articles we rent, uh, we uh, we have literally published. Uh, you know, I mean, it would be like uh, ad infinitum. I mean, it would be hard to say what, how many words that we've uh, done. And then if you break it down into characters, you know, it's just the same thing in a life. If you break it down into minutes, you were alive so many minutes. You know, I mean, you know, it, it's hard to believe when you think of time. And and what you do every day, how long things get extended. You know, I remember, can you remember the year? Remember when I told you years ago that we needed to look, I think it was 2018, had to watch for 2018 because something was going to happen. You remember that? Yeah. Do you remember what that was? Was that 2015, <laughs> 2016, or 2018? I can't remember right now. Oh, I don't, I'm not sure either. I know it was a long time ago, back in 2008 or something, you said we needed to watch for something in maybe 2017 or 18. 
Yeah, I, I can't remember. Well, I was thinking how fast time flew since then. Now oh, we're in 220. Well, we're in 2020. Yeah, 2020. yeah. And every every time I see 2020, I think of Zig, uh, Ziegler and Evans, who did in the year 2525, you know, which yeah. is 500, 500 years ahead. And I thought, dear God in heaven. I mean, you know, there's so many things that can impress you when you look at all of this. And we are indeed part 46. Uh, and this is Isaiah 24, Apocalypse Judgment. That's the uh, kind of the focus we're doing because we are in Isaiah 24. So I'm going to go ahead and do this. Okay, I will see you on the other side. Now, we have been going through the first three verses. The first two were quite extensive. We got one more little verse, and uh, we're talking about judgment and how it's been all-encompassing. You know, for most of the nations, you know, when we have problems or various things that go on, you know, like there's a locust uh, plague in a lot of Africa, and it's heading on also into China. So uh, here in America, the only thing in our neck of the woods, they were warning about grasshoppers, but uh, we don't have any kind of a plague. We, we've had bad grasshopper infestations, but the thing of it is, is that we pretty much don't have that issue. Now, uh, today it came out that uh, a lot of, uh, of America's beef is being exported. And so the exporters of that beef had to explain themselves, why are you exporting the beef when America's facing a, beef, a meat shortage? Um, now, Tower and I don't aren't facing a meat shortage because uh, we don't eat meat like everybody else does we eat a lot of other um, uh, vegetables and stuff like that and uh, things so we don't really focus on that Uh, I'm not a vegan but I eat a lot of fresh uh, type things like that when I can get a hold of them so I don't really focus on that so it has never been an issue matter of fact what we eat when we go into the stores is not what everybody else eats because they're looking for all the burgers. Well, to make a long story short, when you put this all together, it comes to find out that the parts that were being shipped overseas is the parts that Americans don't eat. And I could tell you a few of those parts because we've been uh, friends with people from other countries uh, and uh, been close to them. And uh, they've uh, talked about the different parts they ate, which I wouldn't eat, but... (laughs) That doesn't have anything to do with it, you know, but that's where it's going. So we talk about these various lands, and so we have a bit of a meat shortage, but yet when you get on over into India and you get into the Middle East, you get into Africa, you're really looking at a food shortage. So various parts of the of the world can have extensive troubles, So when we begin to discuss the land and the troubles in Isaiah 24, uh, the emphasis is on how completely devastating it is. 
And there's many things when we look at Isaiah 24 that we can compare to many other scriptures. And we can tell from from the verbiage in this that the prophecy of Isaiah 24 is not just localized for Israel, but it is localized for um, not only Israel, but those encompassing uh, nations that were round about Israel at the time and also in the future. And we will get to a lot of those eventually. Now, Isaiah 23 says the land, and here the emphasis is, again, not merely on the land of Israel, but in all the earth. Uh, and, and you'll see this thing where, where it'll talk about the earth being shaken and uh, just all kinds of things. And so the land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled. Now, when you do have an all-encompassing judgment. Now, see, Kyle and Delish uh, takes the word uh, land here. It's the idea of the world or cosmos. It embraces all without distinction of race, uh, rank, and condition, a universal one, not merely throughout the whole land of Israel, but in all the earth. It signifies the earth in this passage. So when we see this word, it signifies the earth. And you can get uh, kind of uh, misled here when you first look at this. But the bottom line of it is, is that when we look at judgment, when we think of it, and uh, just look at our circumstances today, look at how we, we view the covid you know, I mean, it was less than, what, two months ago for us, a month and a half? You know, I, I don't know. Time goes by so fast. But we had the best economy. We had the lowest unemployment, major records. America was on the top of the list. Uh, the oil was doing fine and flowing fine. And overnight, like in our area here, uh, we depend a lot on coal, coal and gas and uranium and a lot of other things. Everything, the bottom fell out of everything. We're paying for gas stuff that Tower and I haven't seen except when we were first married. And that was a long time ago. Uh, so a lot of things have changed. And unemployment now. And you have major cities like New York and L.A. now all of a sudden talking about uh, keeping it closed for the whole summer. And so this was all-encompassing, and this is the same type of thing when we look at this judgment. Then when we just take a gander, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because many of you have read uh, um, Mark 13. But see, the beginning, when we get into Mark 13 and you get through the initial beginning, you get into verse 19, it says, For in those days shall be affliction such as was not from the beginning of creation, which God created unto this time, neither shall be. Now, that is part of what we would call the Great Tribulation. And it has a difference in the verbiage there because the days of affliction has, will be so great that it would never have occurred until this time when it occurs. So that separates it. Now, the Lord told us that in the world we would have tribulation, we would have trouble. Christians normally, uh, even from the beginning in the early church, the apostles all suffered tribulation of some kind, trouble, persecution. 
But when we get into, and we talk about the great tribulation, we talk of that time period uh, that is set forth in the future sometime when uh, all of the earth is experiencing affliction and troubles like has never been seen at any time. And it signals the, the final end of, of the time period. We could even call it the time period of grace because it's going to immediately come in and welcoming in the Lord who, who comes. But in verse 20 of that, of that, so in verse 19, it says, For in those days shall be affliction, such as was not from the beginning of creation, which God created under this time. Verse 20 says, And except the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh should be saved. Now, when we look at the word saved, we're actually thinking about be kept alive. And that that is the point, you know, no flesh. The flesh folks is not going to be saved per se it's the spirit and soul that's going to be saved the flesh is those uh individuals those uh, uh that creation which is flesh which lives on the earth and nothing will be saved or nothing would uh survive except the lord shortens the days and he shortens the days because of his mercy and it says, but for the elect's sake whom he has chosen, he has shortened the days. And so it gives you this extreme uh, overview of this time that it's all-encompassing, that is terrible. It's going to affect absolutely everybody. And unless the Lord intervenes, nobody's going to be left. Nothing's going to be left. Now, following that, it talks about deception. He says, then if any man shall say unto you, now this is when this occurs, and this is when you look, and this uh, could very well be the introduction of the rise of the Antichrist, as many would call him, the son of perdition, Second Thessalonians 2, uh, because Paul describes him as one who will set himself up in the temple of God, declaring himself to be God. Now, there's been a lot of rulers throughout the years the decades and ages who have thought themselves to be God. We got one over in North Korea, the Un family, because they're special. They they have this emperor worship type thing going on over there. But the bottom line of it is, is that there is this thing. Even the Pharaohs had that. The Pharaoh was the one that was chosen and uh, godlike. And of course, he was godlike until he ran into Moses and and Aaron, who did all kinds of miracles and signs and wonders, and when they said, the Lord has said that you need to let my people go, and Pharaoh said, well, who is the Lord that I should obey him? Well, he didn't know who the Lord was. Uh, the people of Egypt thought Pharaoh was God, and Pharaoh wasn't going to believe the fact that there was another God, and he found out that there is another God, and all of Egypt was pretty well ravaged, and Pharaoh's army was destroyed, and, of course, Pharaoh himself was looked, uh, made to look like the fool because uh, he had rejected. But uh, all of that proved how great the Lord is. So this is, this is what happens when you have these kind of judgments. And then if any man shall say unto you, lo, here is Christ, or lo, there is, believe him not. For false Christ and, pa- and false prophets shall arise and shall show you signs and wonders to seduce, if were possible, even the elect. Ye'd behold I have told you all things. 
And then it breaks again in a 24. But in those days, after the tribulation, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars of heaven shall fall and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. And then they shall see the, the son of man coming in the clouds with great glory. Now, this is this is really good here because... When we see the dichotomy in it, for in those days shall great affliction shall be affliction, such as was not from the beginning of creation. So from that point in verse 19 up till 21 is this time of affliction. And 22, uh, 23 says, I've told you all things, foretold you. But in verse 24, it has a separation here that in those days after that tribulation, so we would see these verses as being part of that tribulation, a tribulation so great it has never happened before, so we would call it the great tribulation. And that, after it's over, brings us into the one sign you should be looking for, and that's the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great glory. And, of course, this is, this is uh, you know, the signs that we look for, and it's amazing that at the end of this, in verse 28, he says, Now learn the parable of the fig tree, when a branch is yet tender and puts forth leaves. You know the summer is near. Well, see, I, being a gardener and uh, uh, doing a lot of planning and things like that, uh, in a all the time, uh, you know, we, we look at the signs of the season. Uh, there's more than just leaves. There's a lot of things. We watch the animals. We, we know when spring has come. Uh, you know, one of the signs is when the Canadian geese uh, really start congregating here. They begin to have their young, and they have their young right along the bank over here and parade them around a little bit. And then soon when summer comes, they disappear. Uh, we, we look at all the leaves on the trees, and not all the trees have leaves at the same time. Some of them take a time. You have plants that come out early while other plants don't come out early. Uh, you know, many of your tulips can stand pretty cold weather, and uh, so can cilantro and many other things. While you uh, look at some of the other things like tomatoes, they can't really stand all that, so they've got to wait till it warms up. All these are signs, so if we apply it to the prophecy, we can look and see. And so when we look at Isaiah, we can plainly see that he is describing an event, an apocalypse, that not only is it on the land of Israel, not only is it on Levant and round about where Israel is, it's, it, it will affect all the people round about. But we're also looking at the fact that some of the verbiage within this uh, particular chapter reveals to us that this is more than just, uh, you know, the very, uh, you know, Israel itself. And when you get into Isaiah 24.4, now see, the thing I like about the first three verses, these are so dramatic and so descriptive, the first three verses. It just d describes an event that y you, frankly, if you had any sense about you, you wouldn't even want to come near because it is not a good place to be. It's just like when the Great Tribulation comes around, trust me, you don't want to be there. Now, Scripture does tell us, and the Lord says in, in the Old Testament, I forgot which prophet said that, but he says, go in, you know, and uh, hide yourself, close the door, you know, until the indignation be overpassed or passed over, you know. Uh, <clears throat> now, of course, when we look at Noah, he had to go through tribulation, but he did it in a boat that uh, God gave him instructions for, and God shut the door. Uh, 
Lot went through a, a fiery trial, him and his family. God told him to give it, get out, and he sent angels, and they told him, we can't destroy the city until you get out. So the angels literally lead him out. Some of his family didn't want to go. When we look at judgment on Babylon, <coughs> Israel, uh, there was a lot of the Jews that were in Babylon that were still in captivity, and God told them, he said, leave Babylon and let Jerusalem come to mind, because Babylon was not going to be a place you're going to want to be, not just because you, you're Jews and should be in Jerusalem, but Cyrus is the one that actually brought down Babylon, and it was given him, God called him his anointed, and it was up to him uh, to to get the Jews to go and he commanded them to go and rebuild Jerusalem, build the walls and build the temple. And uh, Cyrus was a pagan and God uses pagans and he uses pagan Kings. He's always used that. He uses, he used uh, Pharaoh and he was a pagan. And so when you look at America and people say, well, you know, what's Trump doing up there? You know, I mean, and they say, well, he's this and he's that. Well, see, God uses all kinds of people. And I've seen a lot worse running around here, but uh, the bottom line of it is when you see a ruler, God is able to put rulers in in order to bring about what he wants within a nation. And many times it's associated with whether the people have repented or not. So verse 4, it says, the earth mourneth, uh, lament and mourn. Now, the only time you mourn is when there's a catastrophe. And if you're a human, if you mourn and lament a lot, it might be because you're sick or you got hurt and it takes a while for you to get better. Well, see, the earth is in this part uh, that, uh, that we're talking about. And uh, the earth mourneth, laments, and another word, fadeth literally to wilt, uh, figuratively to wither or come to naught. Now, see, eventually Peter talks about the earth burning and being consumed in fire, and he says, what manner of people ought you to be, you know, <coughs> in all godly conversation? You know, in other words, another way of saying it is, you know, figure that uh, we're in the end of days and God's going to send his son. He's going to come back again. The earth is going to be consumed in not only tribulation, but it's going to be consumed in fire. Don't you think that you need to watch how you're acting? Do you think you need to repent? Don't you think you need to watch how you live? Uh, that would be the smart thing to do. Now, see, this this is the thing. See, when God does this within a nation or in the earth, like that, you know, you have a lot of people that have a lot of money that think, well, you know, we're in charge. You know, George Soros, he says he doesn't mind playing God. That's a quote that he's he's uh, famous for because uh, he found a way to use his money to overthrow nations and and uh, get his way uh, to get his laws passed and the things he wants. 
So we look at an earth that's mourning and it's fading away as if it's getting old, as if it's getting, and I'll tell you, as you get older, there's things you can't do until you get to the point you can't do much of anything. Some of them, when they get to a real bad, they just lay in bed and can't do anything, or they sit in a wheelchair. They're they're fading away. Their life force is leaving them. They're getting older. Well, the earth is coming to this point one day, and there's going there's vast tribulation. But see, later on in these verses, we're going to see where Isaiah says that the curse has devoured the earth. Now, while uh, Greta Thornburg and a lot of the other so-called experts and people who want to save the earth, you don't save the earth, you save the humans on the earth. See, and this is the problem we have with uh, with the earth today. We'll save the whales. We'll save, you know, every kind of bird, every kind of species. We'll save a marmot. We'll save a fish. <clears throat> but when it comes to babies that were aborting and killing them while they're alive or killing uh, some of the babies that, that you don't want to live in late-term abortion outside the mother's womb, which has been passed in New York City, by the way, well, we don't care about them, but we're we're going to save every animal and save the earth. We'll call the earth our mother. Well, the earth isn't your mother. The earth is created by the Lord God. He's the one in charge of it. The earth had a curse on it when Adam fell, and that curse fell on the earth as well as creation and even the heavens itself. And God worked to get this thing uncursed. One day it's going to be a perfect earth. It's You don't have to worry about all that. You won't have to worry about mean and nasty animals. You won't have to worry about weeds coming up in your garden because you'll be in an earth that is reborn, renewed, and the curse will be no more. Now, see, this is why the earth is mourning and fading because it has that curse. And also, when you discuss judgment in the middle of the earth, that destroys the earth as well. But these words are a lot more than just an army coming in. The world languisheth. This means to be sick, fades away. He uses it twice in this verse. And the haughty, of course, this is the the people, the haughty people, prideful, loftily. You know, when you say loftily, it's kind of a big word. It's It's like if we had a hill over here. And I was down beneath the hill, and the one standing on top of the hill, he was loftily. He's a lot, uh, he's in an elevated place, a lot higher than where I am. And uh, I'd have to call up to him to get him to uh, hear me. And he, all he would have to do is look down at me and, and speak, and I could hear him because he's got the height. Now, see, there's a lot of people that have that kind of height, and they're not very tall at all. The thing that gives them that that loftiness and that pride is sin and lust. And see, this is the way we do it in this world. We think people are something. We get to be a movie star. We make a lot of movies, so then we think we can come out and act like a a real pain in the butt on Twitter, and we can say things about the president. We can threaten him and do all kinds of things, and yet we think it's okay because, you know, we know better. Oh, Howard Stern's been coming out and says that he hates all the supporters of Trump. Now, see, he's a 
he's a big dude. He has he's had a big filthy mouth as long as I've ever heard of him. He's had uh, rotten uh, series on him and his family or whatever they were doing. Um, I don't know. And to have him do that, I mean, this is we have a lot of people like that. It's not just about these kind of people. And these kind, I mean, people that get in there and get on Twitter, and the only reason he says that is because, oh, look at me. I've got so many followers. I've got a successful show. I can say anything I want to. And so there is this thing that when we talk about judgment, all of flesh, all of it is going to be cast down. Nothing is going to be lifted up on the day of judgment. And it says... um, the haughty people to tribe, men, nation, or people. It doesn't matter as far as who you are. It can be any color, any race, any place. And they have pride. They're haughty with it. They're in your face. They refuse to repent, maybe. The haughty people of the earth do languish. Now, he uses the word fades twice, fadeth twice, and he uses the word languisheth. One form is languisheth, and the other is languish. Languisheth is kind of a past tense, and languish can even be in the current sense as well. But it means the same thing, to be sick. So here you have all these elevated, prideful people of every nation, race, or whatever they are, whatever they color, whatever race they are, whatever tribe, whatever country. They're sick. They're mourning. They're weak because they can't stop what's happening. They can't do nothing about the earth. They can't do nothing about the circumstances. They can't even do anything about who lives and who dies. They can't do anything about the food supply. They can't do anything about the water supply. They can't do nothing. Isaiah 2. Now remember, we're in Isaiah 24. When we talk about haughtiness, Now, see, this is a point you need to remember when we're talking about the prophets and judgment. And you're going to find that uh, when when you look at haughtiness, pride comes up, and pride is mentioned in the Bible a lot. However, in America, we have pride. We have lots of pride. And even pride that you think is okay, when compared to the righteousness of God, it is not okay. Isaiah 2, 11 through 12. The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. Now, that's who gets exalted. Now, you see, there is another clarity here, too, as well, and the New Testament points it out. And that is, and I did write on this today, and you you can find it in other places. And that is, the Lord knows those that are his. 
those who serve him. And he knows how to deliver them out of the judgment while reserving the wicked for that day of judgment. Verse 12 of that says, For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty, and upon everyone that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. Now in Isaiah chapter 2, you spend the first pretty much uh, portion of, uh, let's see, through I think chapter 10, you have a few other things mentioned, but most of that has to do with Isaiah warning Judah of what they're doing and how that pride of man, but then we also have this upon other people as well. In Jeremiah 4, 27 through 28, it says, For thus saith the Lord, the whole land shall be desolate, yet will I not make a full end? For this shall the earth mourn and the heavens above be black, because I have spoken, I have purposed it, and will not repent, neither will I turn back from it. Now you see, God judges the earth. He judges nations, and he has declared that there's going to be a tribulation, a great tribulation in the end of days. There's going to be a wrath of God tribulation. He's going to collect his saints. He's going to have uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb. He is going to have his, um, you know, the city of God is going to be here on earth. He's going to be our God. We're going to be his people. There's nothing you're going to do to stop that. Nothing. And if you want to be wicked, God will allow you to be wicked until the very end, and then he will judge you. But you see, all these things that we have read in Isaiah 24 is verbiage that the other prophets use. The earth mourneth, which is what we talked about earlier in this, is found in Isaiah 3.26, 33.9, Jeremiah 12.4, and Hosea 4.3. And so you add to that fact that fadeth was used twice for the earth, languisheth, or languish refers to the people of earth, languisheth for the world, and the haughty is used for people. So if you're living on this earth, (laughs) you're going to be experiencing some mourning, fading, languishing, haughtiness, trouble, judgment. I'm laughing because, you know, I mean, if you look at this, you're to death. But you see, I look at it because I see it as this celebrates the time when God is saying to the people of earth, it is time to get your life, your heart in order. I have given you time to repent You need to repent and come unto me because I am judging the corrupt, the immoral, the sin. And that's what I'm going to do. And I will not repent from it. In Isaiah 24, 5, the earth also is defiled. That's the moral sense. It's corrupt, polluted, or profane under the inhabitants thereof. To dwell, remain, marry, keep house. That, that, the inhabitants are the people that live on the earth. And the earth has been corrupted, polluted, and profaned. Now, this isn't in the physical sense. This is in the moral sense. This is where we talk about the curse. 
thereof because they have transgressed, that it means to cross over, to alter, to do away with, provoke to anger. They've transgressed the laws, precept, the statute, especially the Pentateuch. Now, you see, when you talk about God judging Israel, that's what Israel did because they were bound by the law. But if you get in the New Testament, there's still a law that sets down, and Jesus, Yahshua, said, I've come not to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. So if you reject Yahshua, and if you reject the fact that God says to walk in holiness, uh, to walk in the light as he is in the light, First John 1, then if you refuse that, you're going to be walking in darkness and walking your own way. John chapter 3, the Lord warned that they wouldn't come to the light, the light of Yahshua, because they love darkness more and the deeds of darkness, which are the deeds of the flesh. And those who do the deeds of the flesh, Paul says, will face corruption, destruction. And so we see this earth burdened down with the profane and the corruption and the moral sense of the people that live there who are transgressing against what God has commanded them to do. Now, see, matter of fact, if you look at the judgment, the judgment actually condemns. It says those who defied uh, the law given at Sinai, could find no mercy uh, when two or three witnesses were brought forth confirming what he did or she did. But it says in that same place that those who trample the blood, the holy covenant through the blood of, of Christ being shed on the cross, that which God has done through Christ, how much more sore punishment will you face than the ones in the Old Testament faced? So when you sit on your butt in the church or outside the church and you think, well, you know, Christ came and everything's fine. No, it's not fine. Matter of fact, the rejection of Christ is worse than if you would have been in the Old Testament just rejecting to follow the law. That's what Paul was saying. Nevertheless, we're talking to people that broke down the laws, not just the laws that were set down. In this point, uh, from Isaiah's point, standpoint, it would have been the Pentateuch and the law there. But when we get to the New Testament, Paul Paul warns us in Second Thessalonians 2 that people are going to reject the love of the truth. That's the gospel. The very backbone of saving people and redeeming them, they reject the love of God, reject the love of the Son who came to die for us. And this is the problem. And so you have this. There's still a penalty, folks. It's not free. Christ didn't die on that cross so you can live like a a banshee, like you could live as you wanted to do, fulfilling every lust. Now, see, Paul goes through an extensive list of all the things of the last days. And one of them, you know, when we talk about it, is this concept of what is normal affection. The God-giving affection, in the beginning, there was a man and a woman. Well, today, now we've changed that. And it could be any number of things. People even want to marry their horse. 
uh, and various other things. And uh, there was a news article the other day that said, as far as that goes, uh, with all the things happening, um, uh, polygamy in in Utah was virtually done away with recently. I didn't read the article. That's what they were talking about. Well, there's a lot of other ordinances that we have changed very, uh, and that changed the ordinance. That's the appointed, an, an appointed boundary, an appointed commandment, something God created in the be, in the beginning that man crosses over. And there's places day in our world that we've crossed over that boundary into areas we should have never gone. And all you have to do is look around, and especially with all of the uh, technology we have and all the ability for us to do things, we can change a man to a woman. We can give a man breasts like a woman has breasts. We can take off his you-know-what and throw something else in there. They still haven't figured out how to make the egg, but they've figured out how to manipulate the egg. They figured out how to manipulate the DNA. They haven't created DNA, but they can manipulate DNA. They can manipulate blood. They can manipulate things. And they haven't figured out yet how to make a world, especially in an instant like God did. They haven't figured out how to live forever. And it says further, they have broken the everlasting covenant. That means the beginning of the world to the end, the covenant that God put together. And the one covenant that God put together in the beginning was that he made man. He wanted man to be with him. He redeemed man. And all of the ending of it comes from revelation, which is not about the judgments, but it is indeed about the very fact of God fulfilling his promise to establish redemption in the earth, to have a people that will serve him and to come unto him. The earth that's defiled, is corrupted under the inhabitants, they're profane, they're proudful, um, and these are the ones that are dwelling and marrying and keeping house, they're living, they're making war, they're buying and selling. But they've crossed over provoke the Lord God because they have destroyed the laws. They have ignored the original precepts of the Pentateuch. They have defied the new covenant. And they've changed the physical bound, bounds, the scientific bounds, and everything God created. And you can read this in Psalm 2. It refers to that. So now, if we just stop for a second, we can see the some of the covenants. Genesis seventeen thirteen through 14. This is the circumcision covenant. He that is born in thy house and he that is brought with thy money, bought with thy money, must needs be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. Now, see, they ran into trouble with this in the time of Paul and the apostles, uh, because there were Jews who believed in Yahshua, but they felt that all the Gentiles needed to be circumcised. And he says, if you circumcise them, then your faith will be of no good. Uh, the law of Moses, Deuteronomy 4, 44 through 45, 44 says this is the law of the statutes and the judgments. That's how they were follow. The birth of the uh, and of course, uh, 
in those days, there was a priest named Zacharias, and uh, his wife was one of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God. And, of course, out of that loin came John the Baptist. Uh, New Covenant uh, in Hebrews 13 Uh, Verse 20, now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Now, see, this, this is what we're talking about. Now, if you talk about corruption being in the earth, remember one of the biggest corruptions in the earth was in Genesis 6. Genesis 6, when we look at the Nephilim, the earth was also corrupted. For God in the earth was filled with violence, and God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I'll destroy them with the earth. You don't think God can take care of your wickedness? He can take care of your wickedness just like he can take care of your repentance. That's what he wants you to do. There's no need for anybody to lose their to lose their life and burn in hell. There's no reason for it. Christ came to save all. And he provided a way. That's God's way. Stubbornness and pride is what the devil uses on the hearts of men and women to keep them away from the redemption that God had Jesus. Isaiah 13, 11, it says this, and I'll punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity, and I'll cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. Isaiah 18, 3 says, All ye inhabitants of the world and dwellers on the earth see you when he lifteth up an ensign on the mountains and when he bloweth a trumpet, hear ye. Now we will hear a trumpet. And this is uh, in the end of days. And so it's, it's, it's important to look when we look at these things and we understand just where we're at. And so when we look at Isaiah 24, it's, it's a judgment on Israel. It's a judgment on the nations roundabout. But it is an implication that God has a right to judge the nations and, he, and he's also addressing the end days when the curse. And in verse 24, 6, this is the phrase that says, Therefore has the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men left. The curse. That's the opposite of a blessing. That isn't good. Devoured means to eat or consume. So the earth is consumed by this curse, this thing that came as a result of the fall. And they that dwell in are desolate. They're guilty. That means by implication because they're in the earth and they're going to be punished or perished. Now see, where are the righteous at? Well, the righteous will be with the Lord. Now, first thing I would hear people say is that pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, it's not any. It's when the Lord comes and gets us, we'll be with him. Until then, we trust him, for the Lord knows them that are his, and he'll make a way for us. But make no mistake, 
we don't want the earth burned up right now. We want the people to repent or as many as can be repented. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned, literally to melt or burn up, dry up, and we know. We've seen these things before, and from looking at Revelation, we can see there will be some of this stuff and few men left. And that describes more than anything Revelation, because in the beginning, uh, when Adam and Eve first uh, fell, the curse hadn't devoured the entire earth yet. We are in the point, and Isaiah is pointing to the fact that this curse, because the people... And, of course, the curse which came at the beginning, where man fell. See, all of creation fell. That's why Paul says all of creation literally groans for the coming of the Lord. That's amazing. So at any rate, so when we're looking through this, for the Christian today, we look at this and we see hope. We also see the truth of what judgment really is. We see that as bad as it is, you haven't seen anything yet. And, you know, from my standpoint, you know, this kind of judgment can wait a few days or a few years. (laughs) It doesn't have to come tomorrow for my sake. You know, we we don't want this judgment (laughs) now. But it's coming. I've spent over two decades, tower with me, warning about these things. And I continue to warn to get the point across to people to be prepared now and stay prepared. Get your children prepared. Get your grandchildren prepared. It may not happen in their lifetime, but you have got to instill this in your kids because we are living a day of deception where people deceive. They, they live to deceive. So be careful. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Father, for being with us and watching over us. Father, bless these people, Lord God. Be with them, bless them, guide them, and direct them. In Jesus' name, amen. So just a minute. Sorry about that. At any rate, we are at the end now of this show today. We covered a lot of important things when we talk about this particular thing. And uh, good grief, I can hear you. You can? Yeah, all that moving around. You didn't get to the phone (laughs) fast enough, did you? No. Not my phone. Well, we don't get calls. I know it was right behind me, and I was trying to do things. And it's people don't call, and they shouldn't call. But at any rate, at any rate, folks, we're glad you joined us. And... uh, (laughs) Well, you know, the thing that bothers me about all this is the people that think they can live the way they want to live and don't have any concept of what eternity is going to be like for them without the Lord. That bothers me that people 
choose that path and not the path of the Lord. I just bothers me they want to go to hell. That's what I think. Well, you know, nobody wants to go to hell. Well, there are a few, and that is those who have been deceived by the devil to believe yeah. that he's going to give them a special place in hell to rule. But the devil don't share anything with anybody. He rules over everybody. But most of the people have swallowed the lie that there is no recompense for what they do. They've swallowed yep. the lie that there's a universal God, universal salvation, and it doesn't matter what you do in this body, and that love is love. And this kind of a thing comes out of the pit of hell. It also <clears throat> feeds the natural nature of men and women, and there's nothing you're going to do about it. Nope, I think it's tragic. It is tragic. And the thing of it is, the stuff today that we we do before everybody uh, you know, when I was raised and when my, especially when my dad is raised, this stuff would have been abomination. Uh, nobody would have even thought twice of doing things like what we do today. Oh, I know. It's horrible. But, but we do, you know. And so. Well, we're going to have to get out of here. Yep. I want to, I want to thank you all for joining us, joining us whenever you do. We appreciate it. I want you to know we love you and we pray for you. We may not know all your names, but we do pray for each and every one of you. And we care and hope the best for you and the Lord. Draw closer to him in these days. And he will keep you and instill in you peace. We love you, everybody. Have a good night. We'll see you tomorrow on Sound the Shofar. Good night, everybody. Shalom. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Warren Radio.